0: Welcome to Grace Covenant Church DC. You're listening to our weekly sermon podcast. We hope that you enjoy this message. I want to talk about the privilege of prayer, the prayer privilege, because I think it's important. I think it will help us to be postured properly before the Lord as we pray and as we live and and, and just dwell in his people and before him. So that is the title of our message, The Prayer Privilege. All right, try to say that 10 times. You're right, The Prayer Privilege. I gotta say it slow so I don't get tongue tied. So basically, you know, the, the privilege. Of prayer, or just standing in the presence of God, it was it was something that was given to the Levites in the beginning. In the Old Testament, it was given to the Levites, and it wasn't even that all the Levites. When I talk about the Levites, I'm talking about one of the tribes of the children of Israel, one of the people of God, um, one of one of the. People in the lineage of Abraham, I'm going to go back a little bit so that, you know, I can catch you up and then we can talk from there. So when you think about God and his plan in the earth and and just what it all means and what it all adds up to you, you, you're really going to fall into four categories because God, he there was the creation. and, And when it's all over said and done, the culmination all about him. But then in between the creation and the culmination is the rebellion of man and the redemption of God. And we got to go through all of those in order to get where God wants us to be. And and you're going to understand what prayer has to do with this. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you know your Bible, if you've been reading your Bible... That is in Genesis, and, and if you haven't been reading your Bible, I'm going to give you kind of an overview, okay? Um, but, there's, but there's a lot of grace, so no, no guilt. <laughs> um, so the God created the heavens and the earth, and he created man and woman, and he put them in the garden, and he, he created this beautiful environment for them. Everything they would eat and ever need or want was right there in the Garden of Eden, And he said to them, you can eat of every tree in the garden. And this was not a little like patch, like behind your house kind of the garden. This was some scholars say that this was like the size of Washington, D.C. This was a sizable place and would take care of all their needs. So he said, eat of every tree, anything you can eat, anything you want. No, no bounds, except one tree in the middle of the garden. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they probably went about their lives living, in, and they were in a perfect world. And they were perfect human beings with no sin, but then along comes a serpent, a snake, and 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 I I, I cannot fully unpack the the whole you know idea of a, a serpent, a, a snake, an animal actually having the ability to speak and dialogue, but let's just accept it's in the Bible. <laughs> it's in the Bible. It happened. And there was this dialogue. And so the snake deceived Eve. And he said, you know, what did God tell you? And she said, well, we can eat everything, but don't touch the tree in the middle and don't eat of, that, of that, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So she, it was a slight tweak that she kind of put a hang-up on herself, really. Because God didn't say, don't touch it. He just said, don't eat it. But anyway, moving right along. So she, she kind of, you know, she falls to the temptation in which he says, you know, you won't die. He said you would die, but only because he doesn't want you to be wise like him. And so she thought, well, the tree looks good, um, It it probably is good to eat, and it's going to make me wise. Hmm. And so she took of the fruit, she ate it, and she gave some to her husband. There comes the rebellion of man. So the creation was beautiful and perfect, and God's plan was being rolled out. But then in came the rebellion. And in Genesis 3, 6... It says so the woman saw that the tree was good for food. When we when we think about the temptations that we experience, let me let me help you understand something. There's really only three ways that you are going to ever be tempted. Really only three ways. I know it can seem like, you know, there's more than one way, you know, I've sinned in a number of ways, you know, we can be tempted and, and you know, what, what about this weakness and what about that? Well, there's really only three ways. And it's spoken to right in this verse. So she saw that the, that the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh, that it was pleasant to the eyes, lust of the eyes, that it was desirable to make one wise that is pride basically self-promoting self-actualizing desire to be god god of my own world so the lust of the flesh if i could take it out of you know uh christianese terms it's really just wanting what to to feed you gratify your own body gratify yourself with food or sex or sleep or, or anything that may be a, a, a natural desire and not sin in and of itself, but it's not sin, it's not rebellion until you go outside of the boundaries that God has set. Eating too much gluttony can be a sin. It can be rebellion. God gives us the, the very tangible boundaries of the sides of our stomach. <laughs> It's not. It's not hard to know that. <laughs> you go beyond it. You you pray to God, repent, turn, come back to Him. <laughs> but the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, just wanting what you see, wanting sometimes wanting what somebody else has. You see it. You want it. It's 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 not yours. Be be happy for them. It's okay. You don't have to. Desire what you see. You don't have to want it for yourself. You can look at it and appreciate it and keep it moving. And you know, this one, you know, the 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 desire to make one wise or a desire to make one equal to God is really what it boils bull- down to in the core of the heart. Is you know, we 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 got to fight that one every day. Why? Because. In the world in our jobs in our schools wherever we are there's always the the competition facing you the the competition even even when you're in track and you you are running a race um, there is this thing called a PR anybody in my track stars know what I'm talking about (laughs) a personal record like you're competing against yourself. You're competing against what you did the last time. So there's always this sense of be better, do better, you know, gotta be good, gotta be smart, you gotta be wiser, you gotta be it you get you know it, you know it. It's like, oh my goodness, when does it stop? You've gotta you've gotta stop it. You've gotta turn to God and allow him to be wiser, allow him to be stronger, allow him. Follow him and rest in him. Don't give in to the temptation of self-promotion and pride. But in this rebellion, you know, God loved Adam and Eve and and still had his plan um, that he desired to be to unfold in the earth. So that next part after the rebellion was the redemption. It was God's, and in most of the Bible, most of what you read in the Bible is going to be devoted to redemption. Getting man back, getting mankind back to the reconciliation with God as he originally intended. And so I want to fast forward a little bit from, you know, come out of the garden and man's rebellion to go to God's redemption. Because that's, that's the good part but it gets even better. But let's talk about redemption. So I'm going to tell the story kind of, like I said, an overview. If you haven't read this or you, you can check my notes and check my story if you have read. So basically from Adam and Eve, they begin to have children and populate the earth. You get to a man probably after, you know, 14 generations. I'm, I'm, Guessing, you get to Abram. His name was Abram, but God calls him, changes his name to Abraham. He, still, he shares with him all of the promises that he has for him. Abraham becomes the father of a multitude. He has a son, Jacob, and Jacob, I'm, excuse me, Isaac, and Isaac has a son, Jacob, whose name is then changed to Israel. And there is where you begin to grow the family of the Israelites. The family of the Israelites were called the people of God. Why? Because they were the people, they were the family that God chose first to reveal himself. He had to use a conduit, if you will, someone to begin to relate to him, someone to begin to tell everybody else about him. And so you had the children of Israel, huge family. Well, they migrate from where they were living, probably in the region of Canaan, which is where God wanted them to stay and rest and grow. But they migrate because of, excuse me, famine to the land of Egypt. So they get to Egypt and the Egyptians eventually begin to enslave them. And so for a little more than 400 years, they are slaves. So even while they are slaves, their family is still growing. But then it gets to the point where after they are, you know, in misery, they're hurting, they're broken, they're tired, they're, they're being beat down, they're, they are being oppressed by the Egyptians. Now, these are God's people, and he still has a heart for redeeming his people. It gets to the point where he calls a man out named Moses. And he tells Moses, I want you to go and tell the king, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. You know that part. Anybody who's watched the, you know, the Prince of Egypt, uh, (laughs) you know, you know that part. Said Moses, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Anybody know what he said after that? So that they can worship me. Now, I'm, I'm talking about a whole lot more than what we engaged in this morning. That was good, wasn't it? Give the worship team a hand. That was great. But when I'm talking about worship, I'm talking about a lifestyle of honoring him, a lifestyle of following him. It's a whole, when, when, when there is someone or something that you worship, your life changes. It should it should if if, if this is worship it matters where you spend your time how you spend your time it matters who you relate to and how you relate to them because you're worshiping god because you want him to be pleased and honored from everything you do everything you say everything you think everything you are and so worship he, he was saying let my people go that they might that they might go and worship me live in worship unto me and so eventually he lets them go with a little bit of help you know he had to get some help from from moses and some plagues and he eventually he lets them go and now comes that moment where he they need to be taught how to live before him in worship how to treat one to one another because when you think about it when someone is in slavery they don't know how to, you know, make their own decisions. They're being told to when to use the restroom. They're being told where to go, when to eat, what to do, and when to do it. You know, some people feel, in, and I've heard teachings and I've read and things like that, that when the, the slaves that were here in America, when they were set free, when, when it was no longer legal to do slavery, many of them didn't know it. They couldn't read. There was no internet. There was no, you know, they so they so they didn't know. So they they kept continued in what was slavery. Many others, even though knowing when they were released, it's like, what do we do now? Well, how how do we how do we live? Uh, you know, so they they really had to learn everything over again. Well, let me, let me tell you, when you come out of the slavery of sin, when God delivers us out of the slavery of sin, do you really know how to live before God? You, you need to be taught that. You need to be discipled. You need someone. I remember when I got saved, when the Lord found me, I did not find Jesus. He found me. Okay? Okay. And I thought, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to be a Christian. So if they had a Bible study, if they had a Usher's meeting, if they had, you know, passing out cookies to the Girl Scout, I was like, I'm I'm available. I'll do it. Um, uh, Passing out cookies with the Girl Scouts. Whatever the church was doing, I was there. Because I was like, I have to learn how to do this Christian thing. I don't know what to do. So God realized that. He, he realized his people wouldn't know how to worship him. And so a part of their redemption was redeeming even their desire, even their, their inclination to relate to him, their, their you know, just the, the do's and don'ts of being before him in his presence. How do you act? What posture do you come with? So come with me to Leviticus. I'm going to Leviticus chapter 9, but let me tell you, give you a little backdrop. And basically, when, when, when God redeemed the people, when he released them from slavery, and he began to teach them what it meant to have relationship with him and live before him in worship, there was a, a, a mandate, basically the order of God, that you could, you could only be a priest if you were in the family of the Levites. Remember I said, you know, the Israelites, Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, and then he had 12 sons. Well, each one of them had their family. Well, each one of those families was given a, a, a name. The name of Levi was given he was given his tribe was called the Levites the name of Simeon his tribe was Simeonites. Simeon <laughs> so so everybody had their tribe name so the Levites were the ones chosen to be the they 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 served the house of the Lord so to speak. It wasn't a house yet, but it was, maybe it was a tent that they carried from place to place. You had to be a Levite. This was a privilege. Now I'm talking about the privilege that we have in prayer. So it was a privilege to be a servant for, for the things of God, to carry, you know, what needed to be carried in order to, as they traveled and as they wandered, they had to ch- carry things. They had to, they had to be responsible for setting up. It was called the tent of meeting. So they didn't have a church building like we have, yay. <laughs> but they had a tent because it was portable. But you had to be a Levite. In order to participate in setting up the tent and guess what you had to be in the order of Aaron even to be a priest in the Levite family so it was even further you know an even more distinct privilege to be a priest the priests were the ones responsible for Offering sacrifices to the Lord. And the reason for offering sacrifices was was to cover the sin. But you know what? The priests were not perfect. So they had to offer sacrifices for their own sin first before they could offer sacrifices on behalf of the people. So God was laying out all these specific mandates, rules, prescription for their worship, their overall lifestyle and how they would live before him. And so in this particular moment, I'm going to verse 15. Aaron, along with Moses, who was the leader, had already provided those sacrifices on behalf of himself and his children. Now it says here in verse 15, then he brought the people's offering and took the goat, which was the sin offering for the people, and killed it and offered it for sin, like the first. The first meaning his own sacrifice. And he brought the burnt offerings and offered it according to the prescribed manner. And Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting. They went back into the altar, the place of meeting with God. And they went into the tent of meeting and came out, and bless the people. So they prayed over them after they made all those sacrifices. And then the glory of the Lord appeared to all people. Privilege. The glory of the Lord coming to all people. Remember I said that you had to be a priest. You had to be a Levite in order to be in the presence of God in the first place. Well, in this moment, after they made sacrifices for on behalf of the people, the glory of the Lord came. And then fire came out of the presence of the Lord. You're going to have to use your imagination. I don't know what that looked like. But I know it was indescribable. And when the people saw it, they shouted and they fell on their faces. If there's ever a moment in our time of worship corporally, that you sense the presence of God so heavily that you just want to shout or you just want to get on your knees or you just want to cry or you just want to clap your hands and dance do it because it's an honor and a privilege to experience the presence of God sometimes we need to make sure that we are not taking for granted the presence of God taking for granted this privilege that we have to pray before our God. So that was the good example. That was the prescribed manner in which priests should offer sacrifices, pray to God um, and pray and sacrifice on behalf of the people. But in chapter 10, we go on to to Aaron's sons. And, And apparently they didn't receive the transfer quite right apparently they thought that they could offer sacrifices in their own way and you know what happened Aaron's sons experienced the fire of God but it didn't consume their offering out of his pleasure it consumed them they died because the posture in which they came the way in which they offered sacrifices, although they were in the priestly order, okay? So they had that privilege to come before God and to offer sacrifices, but they didn't do it the way that the Lord prescribed. What is that saying to us? There is a way, there is a posture with which you are to approach the Lord. First of all, just by recognizing with humility the privilege that we have to even be in his presence, to even be granted the, the opportunity to pray before him. It's, it's become something that we are so familiar with that it's, it, we, we don't even realize what's been handed to us. Do you realize in the New Testament, when Jesus came, still talking about the redemption still talking about God's redemption of his people. When Jesus came, he would be the ultimate sacrifice. He would be the ultimate priest. He would be the one of whom all these pictures and everything that they did beforehand was speaking to and pointing to. He would be the one. And when he came and sacrificed his life, and the Bible calls him the Lamb of God because he was sacrificed by God, like a lamb would be sacrificed by Aaron and his sons. But he was sacrificed in the moment that he died on the cross. It says that the, the curtain that separated the holy place where only the priest could go where only the priest had the privilege to go and pray on behalf of the people and worship on behalf of the, it says that that curtain was rent in two. And so Jesus afforded to all of us or anybody who would come after that all access. I don't know if you've ever had an all access pass to where you wanted to go. My husband has an all-access pass that I would like, and I'm sure others would. But this all-access pass gave us the right to come into the presence of the Almighty. And this is the why. So when, when people suggest to me, you should read this book, you should see this movie, see, the, see this Netflix movie. You should go to this place or they suggest go to this restaurant. You get suggestions all the time. It was good. Yeah, you'll like it. You should go there. I like to know that the reason that I'm going is a reason that's going to tie to my worship unto God. If I'm going to spend my time, investment and energy in reading a book, it better bring me closer to Jesus. Because I could be reading the Bible. (laughs) If I'm going to watch something, if I'm going to expose myself to something, the why behind it, I I hope it's taking me to Jesus. So why do we pray? Is it just to check the box and say, I did that? Is it just to say, you know, I'm practicing the spiritual disciplines and, and I'm getting stronger in the spirit? Well, I hope it does that. But let me tell you the deeper why. Let's go to the culmination. Would you turn with me to, you're going to turn to Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. It says, after this, and there's a whole lot of activity that's talked about in the book of Revelation. In this moment, John said, after this, I looked. And there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. For every nation, tribe, and tongue, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Say it with me. Amen. This is the why. It's for the glory of God of god that we grab a hold of the privilege and the honor to be in his presence and to pray it's a privilege nobody has to do it for you anymore the priests don't have to stand before god anymore and pray on your behalf you can get up and raise your voice and shout to the Lord, and praise him, and pray to him, and dance before him, and worship him with your whole life, so that the people of Grace Covenant Church, my prayer is that you would be in that multitude, that great multitude that would shout before the Lord, salvation belongs to our God. Would you stand to your feet? Thanks for listening. To learn more about our church or to watch video sermons, visit gracecovdc.org.